Hey, thanks for stopping by. I want you to meet Abigail Martin, candidate for District 11 of the New York City Council. Here's what we talked about. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so good to meet you in person, yeah, sort of, kind of. Yeah. Right. Um, it's going to be great to chat. Yeah. So, Abby, we're going to start with what music are you listening to right now? Oh, <laughs> um, it's so funny that you asked that question. So, um, The Weeknd, Blinded by the Light, is like my girl's favorite song right now. And we play it when we clean up the living room together. So I tell them, you know, it's time to clean up. And we blast that song and we dance around and um, clean up. So that's the song that is um, most, most, uh, most played on my iPhone right now. How long have you lived in the district? Um, I moved to the district in September of 2012. So um, about eight years. And where were you living before? We were living in Harlem before. Um, When I moved to New York City in 2004, I always lived in Morningside Heights, Upper West Side, or the Harlem area. And then um, when we got married, we knew we wanted to start a family, and we knew that Riverdale and this district was a great place to raise kids. So we moved up here um, with that intention. So you've had a really fulfilling career. Why, why leave that all now to go to the city council? Um, well, when, when my twins were born, I was forced to take a step back from full-time traditional social work. I'm sure you're not surprised when I say that social workers don't get paid a lot of money, like many helping professions. Um, and daycare for two babies just did not make sense on a social worker's salary especially considering that I still have student loans and was paying my student loan debt. Um, so when I took a step back to care for my children who were born, um, born five weeks early, and I always, um, I always wondered how I would get back and make the greatest impact. And I knew that the city council position was going to be up, that that was the path for me to have the greatest impact on the most people. That's great. The last city council member is a white man. And... Were you to become the next city council member, you would also be a white woman. Um, And it's a majority Hispanic district. How do you believe that you will be able to understand the needs and the cultural intricacies of a majority Hispanic population? Oh, absolutely. If you look at this entire district, so it's about um, a little more than a third Latinx a little more or a little less than 20% African American, a third, um, a third Caucasian, and then the rest is a mix between Asian and, and other ethnicities. Um, this is a very eclectic district. We have very distinctive neighborhoods that have um, strong culture and strong ethnicities among them. Um, when I started my social work career, I worked in the Bronx Family Court. When I worked at Montefiore as part of their child advocacy center, most of the clients that I worked with were Latinx. I've been working with the BIPOC community, people of color, my entire social work career. And I think that it's just really important when you're doing this work to own your privilege, to understand your privilege, understand um, the power dynamic between clients when you're a white person working with a person of color. Currently, I'm an adjunct professor at Columbia, and I I talk to my students and teach my students on issues of power, oppression, white supremacy, privilege. Um, And I think 
just being white in and of itself doesn't negate your ability to serve people of color. It's a, there are a lot of needs in your community. What are you fighting for and who are you fighting for? Well, I'm fighting for everybody. I want New York City to rebuild and be a city that is just and equitable for all. I'm fighting for a a small criminal legal system. I'm fighting for affordable housing. I'm fighting for universal childcare. And I'm fighting for affordability overall. We can't afford to rebuild from this crisis off the backs of working families and those on fixed incomes, which is what New York has historically done. I'm fighting for uh, no increases in the cost of public transit. I'm fighting for affordability issues overall. We need more truly affordable housing. We're going to have this opportunity where we have all of this commercial space that's going to be available. Let's get creative. Let's turn that into affordable housing. And by affordable, I mean truly affordable. I don't mean 50 or 60% of the AMI. I mean 10% of the AMI or 20% of the AMI. But I think New York now, you know, you have to sometimes be brought to your breaking point in order to come back stronger than ever. And I think under the right leadership, New York City can absolutely do that. Under the right leadership, what do you bring? What does that mean to you? You know, again, being a a social worker that really worked in the communities and worked with people in poverty, worked with people of color, saw how these systems impact how they oppress, how they make it difficult to get what you need from them, how they make upward mobility difficult. I think that perspective is just so important and often missing from politicians. So that's what I will bring to the table is that deep level of understanding. Strong leadership is important. And we are in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a pandemic, where we've really seen how divided our city is and how the neediest New Yorkers are the ones who are most impacted, who can't leave the city, who can't often work from home. Um, How do you... How do you answer that leadership call? I'm the person to answer that call because um, because that is what I have worked for my entire career is fighting for vulnerable New Yorkers. I trained and recruited volunteers for CASA. Um, I've led staff before. I'm on my co-op board. Um, I've led initiatives on my co-op board since COVID started to help reduce the financial burden for our shareholders in our building. Um, one of our maintenance staff lost one of his parents to COVID and had to care for his sick mother. We were already down a maintenance staff, so we only had one person for our entire building. So the board president and myself organized um, volunteers throughout our building, including my husband, where we just all pitched in together. And for about six weeks, the residents of this building made sure that the the building could run. We emptied the trash. We did the cleaning. We made it happen. Um, And I think somebody that's willing to get down and dirty and do the work themselves is incredibly important, especially in this time of crisis. That's a really, that's a really great story of how resilient New Yorkers are and how we've had to roll up our sleeves and kind of figure it out as we go um, till it's back to the before times or something that resembles the before times. Um, Yeah. It will ever ever be exactly the same. Um, What are you looking forward to um, when things get back to sort of normal, what do you miss about the city? Um, I miss the vibrance of the city. 
There's so much talent here. There's so much hustle and bustle here. And I miss seeing that every day. And I, I, my girls are, they're turning six in February. And every single day they talk about wanting to throw a party when the coronavirus is over. I hope we all get invited to that party. Okay. Tell me about what music, Blinding Lights, represents to you. I think that it just represents for me a, a sense of normalcy. Being able to dance around my living room with my kids while they clean up, while we clean up, just it feels normal. And sometimes when I think that it could be so easy to get wrapped up in the sadness of this pandemic and the trauma of this pandemic. Um, and if you don't take time to enjoy the little moments and try to have normal moments, it can just consume you. So I think what it represents to me is just hope and a, a sense of creating normalcy here and there, knowing that that this is only temporary, you know, nothing stays the same. And this too shall pass. We will get through this. We will rebuild. Um, and we just have to hang on. Awesome. All right, Abigail, I think we're good. I think I got enough.